Welcome to Subject to Change. I'm Stephen Lentz, business coach and digital marketer. We interview other owners and entrepreneurs about their stories and businesses. Welcome back to Subject to Change. I'm Stephen Lentz, and today I'm talking with Dr. Jennifer Marquez, the founder of Pharma DNA LLC. How are you doing, Dr. Marquez? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I, I'm glad to have you. It's I feel like drug, and by drug I mean like the medicine, not the like shooting heroin, but like drug philosophy and science is very interesting. And not much, there's not a whole lot that the normal person knows about that goes into it. So, and from what I understand with uh, pharma DNA, you do testing about like our own bodies and how they work with drugs, correct? Yes. So I am a pharmacist. I have a doctor of pharmacy degree. And um, so what I do in my business is I do DNA testing. It's a simple cheek swab test you can do. And it tests for 38 different drug metabolizing genes. So um, it gives us a lot of good information about how your body processes those drugs and may tell us whether um, the drugs that you're on are good for you or whether you may need to try different drugs based on your genetics. Interesting. Do you get all the information you need just from the cheek swab or is there other stuff that's available via like blood or anything like that that's not available from the swab? Um, it's helpful if I can get recent lab results, like from a doctor's appointment that can give me some more information, mm -hmm. but really all I need is the, the cheek swab to get, um, the genetic information that I need. Um, I do obtain a pretty detailed medical history when I do a consult for someone, because I need to know, some lifestyle factors. Um, for example, if you smoke, that can affect how you metabolize some drugs. So that a lot of people have actually said that my intake questionnaire is more detailed than the one they fill out at the doctor's <laughs> office. <laughs> Very cool. So, I mean, it sounds interesting. And for myself, I'd be like, oh, I'd like to know how I metabolize drugs. Like I don't take any medicine or other illicit drugs, but I feel like that's interesting. But for the person who's not necessarily genuinely curious about it, like why would someone be like, oh yeah, I should get this? Well, the cool thing about pharmacogenomics, which is the name of what I do, um, it's, it's kind of the study of not only the drugs you're on, but how your body works with those drugs. So um, it's, it's useful for now. So if you take medicine now, it can be helpful to see if you're having problems, if maybe other drugs would be better. But if you don't take any medicine now, the cool thing is it can tell us what drugs might not be a good fit for you in the future. So once we have the genetic information, it can help us make better choices in the future about your medications. And I mean, when it comes to this type of science, I know nothing. So is it correct to refer to them as like 38 genomes or is it 38 gene? Like, is there a distinction in how I reference this? Because I have well, no idea. These, these particular genes that we're testing for, we're not looking for like diseases. Um, we're looking specifically for genes that we know have to do with how your body processes and handles drugs. 
So, um, you know, it's definitely not a full like genetic panel. It's a very specialized panel that, that focuses on drugs. So, um, you know, it's, it's 38 specific genes that are tested when we do the tests on somebody. Does it encompass all the different types of medication that are out there and how they react with the body or is it, does it leave out a couple different categories? There are some categories that are not, um, that they're not sure yet completely about the metabolism of these are the ones that have the most data right now. So um, they're always doing research Mm -hmm. and they're always discovering new things. Um, These are the ones that we have guidelines for and that we actually um, have recommendations to make. Um, So there may be some genes that we could test down the road, but for now we're doing the ones that we have the data for and we know we can act on now. Interesting. What are the most common drugs that you see show up on the panel? The most common drugs that can be affected um, by these genes are going to be your statin type drugs, which are for cholesterol. So that's going to be like Crestor, Lipitor, Pravacol. Um, Those are very commonly affected. Um, It can affect pain medications. So um, things like Vicodin, Norco, Uh, morphine, you know, all of those can be affected um, because your, your body may actually not activate those drugs. And if your body's not able to activate certain drugs, then they really don't benefit you. And so um, in, in cases like that, especially with pain medication, if you find out that somebody is not likely to have a good result, then you can choose a different medication. And, you know, especially for something like pain control, that can be life-changing for people. Sure. With, with these genes, when you test that, so say like, Nor- you're like, oh, Norco is not good for Steven. Would it be like, you can see like, this is going to be an allergic reaction type of thing, or is it just like the body doesn't do well? Like how did, there are like all basic- types. There are all types actually of genes and responses um, with the pain medication. Um, it tends to be maybe that your body won't activate it or it won't be as effective for you, Mm -hmm. but there are, um, cases with some of the antidepressants where the drugs may actually accumulate in your system. If you metabolize a drug too slowly and it just keeps building up and building up and building up in your blood, then you can get some toxic side effects. So it just depends kind of on which end of the spectrum you fall with your, your genetic results. Gotcha. So, and in the very beginning, you said that you were a pharmacist. I am. So are all yeah. pharmacists doctors? Again, like this is, I, I know nothing in the realm of pharmacology. Yeah, right? um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, there are pharmacists that maybe have practiced longer that are not PharmDs. Um, I was the second all farm D class at at Auburn. Um, And so the people that would have graduated before me um, would, did not get a farm D they, they were registered pharmacists or they got a a BS in pharmacy. Um, But about 20 years ago, they changed most of the curriculum in the U S and, and anybody that's graduated since the early two thousands is probably a farm D. 
So that's going to include pretty much every pharmacist you see at CVS, Walgreens. They're all they're all going to have their doctorate more than likely. Gotcha. I mean, I've gone to like your CVS, Walgreens to get a prescription filled. Is there a lot of whole doctor work that goes into that? Because I feel like I'm always just like, hey, fill this bottle. And I'm like, why? Like, what's <laughs> the specialization seems to be very simplified. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what pharmacists do and what they're trained to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, pharmacists, um, I'm biased, but they're pretty amazing. I hope so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, for one thing, they have a doctorate in pharmacy. So, you know, they, they tend to know more than most physicians because we have more pharmacology training than most physicians because they're, you know, they learn pharmacology, but they also learn body systems and physiology and anatomy and and additional things that we don't learn. Um, But we're the drug experts. So, you know, your person at Walgreens and CVS, although they may be overworked and underpaid and unappreciated, they are checking for drug interactions and they are calling the doctor to say, hey, these drugs can't be given together or the patient will die. You need to change it. You know, there's a lot of things that people don't see that pharmacists do every day. Very cool. So how did you get into being a doctor and pharmacist? You were always just like, oh, I think drugs are neat. This is what I'm going to do. Or like, what's kind of that path? Well, um, I pretty much knew from high school that I wanted to be a pharmacist. I I worked in a pharmacy when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. and I was really impressed by the relationship that the pharmacists that I worked with have with the patients, and I saw the the types of impact that they made every day, and, um, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in pharmacy, but I knew I wanted to be a pharmacist. And then once I got into pharmacy school, I found out all the cool things that pharmacists are doing. And um, it's just been amazing. I, I did a, actually did a residency. Most people don't know that pharmacists can do residencies like doctors do. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did a residency and I've actually worked in a, a cancer center for 17 years now. I'm board certified in oncology. Um, and now I have my certification in pharmacogenomics and I'm learning about all things DNA and it's just really cool. That's cool. So how did you go from that work into farm DNA LLC? Well, about a year ago, I um, decided to get on LinkedIn and never Mm -hmm. been on LinkedIn before. And, um, just, grew a network really fast and got tied in with some other people that were doing pharmacogenomics. And I thought that is really cool. I never even heard of it until a year ago and um, decided to get certified in it, decided to to launch a business in it. And, um, you know, it's just been amazing to start something new. Nobody in my area here, and I'm in Columbus, Georgia, Nobody in my area here is doing this. So, um, you know, when I was in pharmacy school 20 years ago, um, pharmacogenomics wasn't even a thing. Like we didn't learn about it. We didn't know about it. So I understand when I go try to talk to physicians here and they've never heard of pharmacogenomics. Um, So there, you know, there's a lot of barriers that I have to kind of do a lot of educating for the physicians that are not brand new grads. Mm -hmm. 
um, to try to get them to implement it and see that it's legitimate and that there are actually, you know, clinical guidelines and papers that are published supporting this. And, but it's been really fun to start something new that nobody's doing. That's super cool. So what does that look like on your end though? Is it like you collect the swab and send it off to a lab and then get the results and like, that's kind of what you do, or do you have like all the super equipment in-house that you go and like put the goggles on and do the beaker vials things? No, like what? no. Um, <laughs> I'm not that advanced, but I, I have a, a very good lab company. Um, before I started my business, I kind of had to do my homework on the labs because there are dozens of, of labs that do this type of wow. testing. If you don't pick the right genes and the right specifications, then you can miss some important things. So you have to make sure your lab has good testing. And, you know, so that's the first thing I had to do is really make sure which lab I was going to work with and find one, because honestly, these genetic results can have big implications for minority groups. A lot of minority groups have different genetic findings that can dramatically affect their recommendations for their medications. But you got to make sure your lab is checking the right things to catch those. Um, But what I do, it's a cheek swab. Um, If it's somebody local um, here, they can, you know, get a swab from me. Um, If they're not immediately close to here, um, a kit can be shipped to them. They can actually do it themselves. Um, is, you know, similar to probably 23andMe or Ancestry, what, what you would do for something like that. You get different results, but it's, it's a very simple cheek swab. Um, and so that gets shipped back in. Normally I get those results back within two to three weeks. And then I get that comprehensive questionnaire filled out from the patient. And then depending on how many medications the person is on, it can take me an hour up to four hours (laughs) to do an analysis of everything. The lab report, when you get it back is about 30 pages long. So um, it's, it's challenging and thrilling at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when you find something big that you know is going to make somebody's life better. It's it's really amazing. So why, I guess, would it matter how much medication people are on depending on the genes. Cause it's just about the genes, right? be like, Oh, well, this gene says this, so it should be. It does. It will in a way. Um, but you've got to remember that the genes aren't everything. Like, you know, we've been doing medicine for years without the genetic information. This is just one more piece we're adding in. So we've also got to look for drug, drug interactions. And if they're on 20 meds, it's going to take a while to look at that. And, you know, so the more meds somebody's on, it just takes longer to do their consult because it's just more complicated. Gotcha. Cause you're not just looking at the gene interaction. You're also Correct. looking at all the other stuff that a regular pharmacist would be looking at as far yeah. as it's a comprehensive look at the entire patient situation. And it just happens to include genetics. Gotcha. And so the reason you, again, just to kind of make sure I'm understanding, right. You went into it because you thought this is really cool and no one's doing that. And it makes a lot of sense for patient care. Absolutely. And then, you know, I actually, as I learned about it, I heard mm-hmm. story like patient stories where they talked about having the test done 
And I'm actually a member of a, um, an advocacy group um, called AUDT, Advocates for Universal DPYD Testing. DPYD is a, um, a gene that's responsible for metabolizing a chemotherapy drug. And if you lack enzyme activity in that gene, you can actually die after your first dose of chemo. Oh, sure is. And it's not routinely tested for in the U.S. So... Um, Seems like that would be something you'd want to know. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And there are actually some, there are some large academic centers in the U.S. that test mm -hmm. for it. Um, Mayo Clinic does. Um, St. Jude, they actually do a pharmacogenomic test on every child that comes into St. Jude, which I think is awesome. That's super cool. Um, but yeah, I'm on that advocacy group because we're trying to push to get legislation, um, to get that testing to be universal because nobody should lose a family member to a genetic defect that can be tested for when they're fighting for their lives, getting chemo. And tested easily, like a cheek squab is yes. about as easy as it gets. Yes. That's bonkers. That's crazy. It is. And it, it so, I, I mean, I've had a lot of stories and things and it's just, it's something cool. It's something new. But when you hear stories like that and you're like, this is in my wheelhouse, this is something mm -hmm. I can do, I can implement. I can, you know, be a trailblazer and it's just exciting to do something like that. Oh, that's super cool. So have you been able to make partnerships with various doctors or foundations to be like, Hey, like, I'm happy to be your provider and get this for patients or. I'm still working on that. You wouldn't believe the difficulty sometimes with kind of getting past the gatekeepers mm -hmm. at physician offices. Um, they just, they're busy. I get it. You know, we're coming out of a pandemic. So everybody's a little worn out and they don't, they're not super excited about trying to start something new. Um, but I'm still working on some because I do, I feel, you know, passionate enough about it to kind of keep going, keep at it. I feel like that would be something that nursing homes would really want to know. Yeah. Like, I feel like retirement homes, nursing homes, assisted living places, I feel like would be a good place to reach out to as well. Yeah. Like, my own like going in and being like, holy F, I've got seven pages of a Mars report of, I'm just skimming through for like, are they on Warfarin, Coumadin, like any of the different blood thinners? No. Nope. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, that might be someone to reach out to. Yeah. Yeah. I have. I, there's been a lot of places. Um, it's just tough. Like I said, with COVID. Um, people are still just kind of in, in the pandemic mode and nobody's excited about trying anything new right now. Um, but you know, I, I'm just trying my best now to educate, like I'm constantly on TikTok and, you know, LinkedIn and I have a Facebook and an Instagram and I'm just blasting, you know, different cases and different stuff out there every day to just educate people because they don't know they're just not aware of it yeah not super cool so where can someone find you well uh, i have a website um www.drdrjennifermarquez.com 
And um, so there you can actually sign up for my newsletter. Um, I send out about once a week. And then from my website also, it has all my social media links. So my, I do have a YouTube channel um, where I have 10 or 12 videos on there. They're about three minutes long. So it's not like a 30 minute video on genetics. <laughs> it's like put a, someone I, to sleep right there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Me too. <laughs> yeah. They're like three, two to three minute videos talking about why I do what I do and why it's important. And, um, and then I have my funny things on TikTok, uh, silly little things to get people's attention. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn's probably my biggest, um, one, I have the most connections on and the biggest network um, there. Um, but yeah, I just right now I'm just trying to, you know, educate people and, and build relationships here so that I can get more physicians to implement it. That's super cool. And I mean, I'm curious because it's a little off topic, but does it actually does the genome testing also like tell you about people who use illicit drugs They're like oh yeah heroin's like extra extra bad for you <laughs> um not really what you know when the labs give us results they're giving us data based on prescribed drugs now you know especially some of the um they will actually give information on cannabis use for some of the genes um but there's they don't really give information on illicit drugs. They're, they're mostly focused on, you know, prescribed disease controlling type drugs. And again, it doesn't matter whether or not you're taking those, that tests for all of them within the, those different genes. Yeah, it's any, it's testing for the genes. So really anything that goes through those genes to be metabolized, you'll get results for those, whether you're taking them or not. Um, So we get, yeah, we get a comprehensive report. And the cool thing about that, when I do my note, after I do my analysis and do my note, um, so I talk about things that may be pertinent now. So drugs you are on now, drug mm-hmm. interactions, problems with your genes. But then I put a whole section in there about things that could be important in the future. So like if you ever had a heart attack and they needed to put a stent in you, there's a drug they give people called Plavix mm-hmm. and Plavix keeps your platelets from sticking together. Um, there's about five to 10% of the population in the U.S. does not have enough enzyme activity to activate Plavix. So those people, when they take Plavix, they might as well just take a glass of water because it's not going to work for them. And there have actually been case reports of patients having second heart attacks and strokes and dying because it was ineffective for them. And when they test the patients post-mortem, they had the enzyme deficiency. And it could have been, I know it could have Total been sense. avoided. Um, the interesting thing about the Plavix situation is that there was a lawsuit in Hawaii for Asian patients because up to 25% of Asian patients lack enzyme activity in that gene versus the general population can be like five to 10% Asian population up to 25%. 
So it can be huge for them. Yeah. And, and they had so many cases of patients in Hawaii that died that they actually sued the drug company because of it. And it all had to do with pharmacogenomics. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I can understand that why you go to the ER or something or your family physician like, oh, yeah, like you had a heart attack. Clearly, you should have this, this and this because this is what it does. But not, right. not understand the individual all the way down to does it actually make sense for you right well i mean it's it's kind of crazy because you know people that were trained in medical school within the last 20 years like i was um, we didn't know about it we knew there's variability in how people respond to drugs but we didn't know why we just knew some people respond well to this and some don't well now for a lot of these drugs not every drug but a lot of these drugs now we know why and so it's just getting people to, to, you know, be aware of it and kind of realize that they need to change what they're doing in their practice. Cool. That's very cool. And I think what you're doing is really important. Again, especially like uh, people I've seen with lists of pages, medications, or, you know, they go, oh, let me get my purse. And they pull out, you know, it's like a scroll and it bounces yes. off the floor and rolls out the door. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Eat exactly. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's that's, that's amazing. A pharmacist life right there. Pull out the big tackle <laughs> box of medicine. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Well, Dr. Marquez, thank you again for being on here. Is there anything that you wish I'd asked you or that you wanted to get back to before we, we call today? Um, just that I, I love what I'm doing in pharmacogenomics and um, I encourage anybody to check out my website, um, sign up for my newsletter, connect me on LinkedIn. I love to just message with people and, and answer their questions about medications and, you know, help any way I can. So, um, you know, my email is jennifer at farmdnallc.com. So um, I encourage anybody to reach out to me. I love talking about pharmacogenomics, so I'd be happy to help anybody that wants to talk to me love it and for people listening it's farm as in pharmacy so it's a ph and not an f so right it's jennifer at p h a r m d n a l l c dot com dot com awesome well dr marquez thank you so much for being on the show appreciate having you and everyone else thank you for listening thank you Thank you for listening to Subject Change. Please like, subscribe, leave a review of our podcast. And if you have any questions, or if there's a business you would like to see featured on our podcast or a niche or something you want to learn about, drop us a message or an email and let us know. Be happy to, to interview someone and answer those questions. Thanks again for listening.